Welcome back everybody to the podcast. Today we're getting a chance to sit down with gringo BJJ black belt Kieran Kuchuk, the Canadian submission hunter. Kieran is a definition of a submission hunter. Right now he's competing under the banner of the Metal Chasers program out of Master Lloyd Irving. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and hit that notification bell. We've got many great things coming around the corner and you don't want to miss out on anything coming down the pipeline. We are sponsored by Spirit Leaf Waterdown, located at 64 Hamilton Street North in Waterdown, Ontario. If you're looking for Canada's top cannabis brand, look no further. Alex and his crew will be able to help you out with all your THC and CBD needs. Curbside pickup is available and in-store options will be opening soon. Don't forget to get the discount by following them and us on Instagram and you'll get instant savings. We're also in partnership with Project XGuard, working together with BJJ Academies across the GTA and getting underprivileged kids started in Jiu-Jitsu programs. If you know anybody who would benefit from these programs, make sure that you connect with us on the podcast or you can connect with Project XGuard directly. Thanks everybody and enjoy the show. Happy Summer. anniversary to you two guys. All right. Appreciate thank, that. Thank you. How many episodes? Uh, this is episode 56. So right 56. on cue. All right. It's been pretty good. So we've had a, quite a few, uh, I believe, well, we started this basically a year ago when everything shut down in Canada and it was no training, no nothing going on. It was at the point where we're like, okay, we got to do something. <laughs> We're also going to lose interest. <laughs> very and, and, and here we are one year later, still shut down. <laughs> yep. As but many it, as- it's good that you guys found some way to use your, your free time uh, from the lockdowns. Yes, that is definitely true. But um, we definitely want to talk about your experiences. But before we get started, everybody, welcome back to the Choking Hazards podcast. We are celebrating our first year anniversary show. We have a special guest with us today. Please, sir, introduce yourself. Tell us all about you. Uh, well, I'm Kieran Kichuk, a grappler from Markham, Ontario, just north of Toronto. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt under Fernando Zulik. I'm training at Team Lloyd Irvin and competing on the uh, international circuit. Which is awesome because like you just had some amazing success um, at Pan Am's, I believe it was, it just recently passed. Uh, you're, you're on the circuit, man. Like you are all the way out, nor- out in the, sorry, you're down south right now training, correct? I'm actually home right now. I'm, I'm oh, home, home now? quarantine right now. I'm, oh, I'm, in, I'm in Markham. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Great to hear that. Yeah, I mean, it could be could be better. I'm stuck inside for a little while. Uh, kind of annoying, but it's coming off a off a pretty big high. I had a, had a pretty good run for my first uh, three four months at Black Belt. Very nice. What's uh what day of your uh, prison? I mean, quarantine period is are you <laughs> are you in right now? I think around day five. I got back on Wednesday night. And like, take it, take us through that process. So like you competed at Nogi Pans. I know you spent a lot of time in the U S which we'll get to. So like, you know, give us your experience in the U S like what's been going on, like, you know, in the pandemic down there, you're you've been doing some training down there um, and also competing. So like, give us, uh, give us your experience down there and uh, coming back for everybody listening. Yeah. Well, uh, first thing is down there life is completely different than up here. You know, people's attitudes about it are different. Uh, the way the media reports about it is a little bit different. People don't seem 
to care as much. Now, I was in Maryland, like uh, the DMV area around the District of Columbia. There, things are pretty tight, but we're still able to get some work in with the uh, pro team. But when you go down south, like I was in Florida, Louisiana, Texas, and it's like nothing happened there. Like Uber drivers are picking you up without masks on. You know, they'll be they'll be postings on 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 businesses saying no mask, no service, and you'll walk in, and whoever's working there won't even be wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of hard to enforce that rule if you're not even going to do it yourself, right? <laughs> exactly, and you know what, I got. I left it on, you know, so people would feel comfortable, whatever. I, I've had COVID. I got over it. It's not a super big deal to me, you know, because the, the settings I'm in, I'm not really around anybody who's vulnerable. I was uh, living in fighter houses, living on mats. I was just kind of around jujitsu all the time and people who are willing to take the risk. Mm -hmm. if, you don't, if you don't mind me asking, so you mentioned you had COVID. Um, just for people listening to this, like, what was your experience with, like, with that, like symptoms, like take us through okay. like that as well. So this is a, there's a little preface. Uh, I never tested positive, but there's, it's, it's, there's a little bit of a story here. So I was in Miami staying with a good friend of mine, Andre Porfirio, and uh, he lives with his girlfriend and a kid that they take care of. And uh, I was cooking dinner one night and then we started eating and Andre was like, hey man, I can't taste this. So I was like, okay, here we go. I'm getting it out. I'm getting this out of the way. Then he loses a sense of taste. His girlfriend, uh, the, the kid that they take care of, all lose their sense of taste, start coughing. And then, uh, and like earlier that night, we were like sharing a bag of Doritos, fingers going in the mouth and, you know, just not, <laughs> not being do, too careful. Do, doing everything you probably shouldn't do. <laughs> You're exactly. <laughs> um, but I ended up just getting a runny nose and, a little bit of a cough for like a day, two days. And I didn't end up getting tested until about five, six days after my symptoms went away and the test came back negative. And I don't want to get into specifics about my second exposure, but I was training at a different spot. And the night that I arrived, everyone in that room ended up with COVID over the next day or two, like a testing positive. Three people in the room did not get COVID. Me and two other people who tested positive about a month prior. So I was at the center of two, two massive exposures. One time I got kind of sick and the other time I was like one of the only people who didn't get sick. And I was training with these guys. I was hugging them, whatever, mm -hmm. you know? So I'm pretty sure I had it. And uh, when I did have it, it was not so bad. I know that's not everyone's experience, but my experience was, I, I honestly hardly noticed. Well, I think that's awesome. Especially if you ended up, even if you did catch it, you got that very minimal strain and you were able to build some antibodies from that alone. And then you were kind of building off that, which is good. So that's a positive. Yeah. Hopefully that happened. Cause I do know some people who are like uh, fit and in their athletic prime who did get hit hard, you know, not hospitalized or anything, but they're in bed for a little while. It's funny. Cause I, I think I've talked to a whole bunch of different people who either had like had COVID at some point and like everybody's experience is different. Some people are just mm -hmm. kind of like you where they were sick for a day or two, they shook it off and they were fine. Like some people are younger. Some people I know that are older as well, that you would think would be more vulnerable. They had it for a couple of days and they're fine. And then I've had people that are like, they're younger, they're in their twenties and they're like, they're in their bed for like two weeks and they're just completely wrecked fever, chills, yeah. the whole, like all the symptoms that you read about, like we've probably heard about a thousand times already. 
I don't know. It's just, it's weird how it hits everybody a little bit differently. Yeah. And I, I can't pretend to be smart enough to understand how it works. You know, it's a complicated thing. Oh, you're, yeah. you're, not, you're not a black belt in uh, epidemiology there? No, I only had time to get, get one black belt in my life so far. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. No, you're sticking to it. But uh, one of the biggest accolades that you've been getting right now, especially for your most recent article, is that you are finishing fights. You are finishing matches every chance you get. So, And it's awesome to see, especially a black belt, as fresh as you are coming into a black belt competition, and you are going after those people and you're getting the subs every time yeah it's like a it's something i make a point of you know um i find that especially gi jiu-jitsu has suffered a lot in recent years and you'll even notice with matches that i have now like um at black belt when matches start the first thing people do is backpedal to the boundary and anytime i get an attack off they just roll out of bounds and you know then it's really up to the ref who wins the match what kind of calls they want to make because you know, when you, when you don't have three refs sitting in, the ref's call is absolute. You can't argue. You can't say anything about it. Um, you know, so to deal with that problem, like the, the problem I was having, I was losing matches by adva advantages or, or two-point increments because people would sweep me over and I would sweep and they would flee the mat. And I wouldn't end up with any points, you know, and then. So I just decided, you know, like uh, I, I need to like really fall back heavily on my submission skills. So. I've always had good submission skills developing because I trained with some people who never really wanted to compete. They were into jujitsu heavily, but they never really even worried about the point system. So these guys are just going hard, trying to mess you up, tapping you out all the time. So I've always been able to, to develop those skills. So now I'm just kind of implementing them. Uh, favorite question Aaron likes to ask. So at black belt competing, like, so what's your mindset now? Because you, you're mentioning it before where, you know, a lot of people are playing the boundaries or they're playing, they're playing like the game, basically. They're playing the rules. They're trying to take advantage of the rules as much as possible. I think everybody who's competed in jiu-jitsu at some point who knows and understands the rules has probably tried to take advantage of them to a certain degree. But like, what's your mindset now that you're a black belt? Is it just, you know, go for the kill. I'm not leaving it in the, in the judge's hands, so to speak, to steal a phrase from MMA. Yeah, no, for sure. That's part of it. But I, I also want to make, help make jujitsu more professional and people aren't going to watch if you're if they don't understand the complicated rule set and they don't understand why player a beat player b by advantage for running out of bounds or like people aren't going to watch that what people want to see is us scrapping and trying to do jujitsu like trying to finish each other so i do go in with that mindset but in terms of like how i think before a match and this is actually something that was uh a really big deal for me competing and something that master Lloyd, they totally fixed for me because I, I never performed. I never medaled at any major tournaments from white to brown belt. Right. I got on the podium of a couple uh, AJP grand slams, but IBJJF and these other super prestigious ones, I never even touched the podium, but at black belt, my first run, um, you know, I got on the Nogi pans podium. I got, uh, 93% submission submission rate on, on 29 wins. And it was just all because like, A, I'm a better uh, practitioner than I was before, but mostly it was because Master Lloyd fixed my head. And what I think is that I just try and be calm before a match. I don't really listen to music. And I, I think about things that I'm thankful for, things that allow me to do what I love. And I remember that 
you know, I can only, all I can control is what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and submit him. I don't get mad about them playing the boundary. I don't get mad about them, you know, trying to scam wins. I just do everything I can within my power um, to do what I love. You know, I, I love to train. I love to compete. Yeah, it's easy. So, so how did you uh, end up making the decision that like joining Master Lloyd would be like a great uh, kind of supplement from obviously training in Canada for so long and then moving down there to, in the firehouse? Yeah, the, that was a decision I made a long time ago. So I had a, when Master Lloyd did the next world champion in 2011, 2012, it was a, it was an internet show that he had. At the time he had Keenan, he had JT, he had Michael Perez. He had like a, just a bunch of killers on, on his uh, reality show, which just uh, documented where they lived, how they trained. And I saw that when I was younger. At the time, I had to be 14. And I just decided then, I was like, I wrote, I wrote down on a note, I will be a Team Lloyd Urban medal chaser. I put it on my mirror. And I had that on my note until 20, 2017 when I actually went down and joined the team. So the decision was made a long time before. It just took me a while to actually act on it mm -hmm. you just saw the video and then from there you're like this this is it this is the this is the training for me this is where i need to be yeah i, I like the uh the fact that he was big into work ethic you know like he had the ten thousand rep philosophy he just had shut up and shut up and work you show up you do what's necessary he calls it like a a 12p philosophy you know um Piss poor preparation leads to piss poor performance. Piss poor performance promotes pain. So just a long way of saying, you know, do everything you can to be ready. And, and that's what needs to be done. I just really like his, his uh, no bullshit philosophy. It definitely is like a very unique like training style. And you talk about a lot of things like drilling, like lots of drilling, like thousands of reps, like repping moves. Um, take for those listening to us, or listening to us right now. Take us through like what a, a typical training session there is like, or like what does a week of like training there look like? How is things structured? What what can you, you know, things that you're allowed to share, of course. Sure. Yeah. Um, so obviously Master Lloyd's not an athlete anymore. He has other things that he, he does, but when he's on the floor, he's just eyes, right? He's just, he knows individually what he wants for every athlete. It's not like a room full of a hundred people. Sometimes practice is like five people. But, you know, it's all people that are really committed to their goals and people that he wants to see through. So he's always watching. So that, that just means that what we're drilling is going to be different. Um, how we're drilling it is going to be different. He's produced so many champions. I just listen to him. No questions asked. Whatever he says goes. And it's it might not make sense to you at the time, but it always ends up with you improving in the areas you were setting out to improve. And it also depends on the time of year. So the farther away we are from worlds, the more drilling there is, right? That's a skill acquisition period. And then as you get close to worlds, you start making it more even. So this time around, because there is no worlds, what I was doing two sessions a day, four hours each, I, I would probably on average be doing three hours drilling, one hour sparring a day. Maybe a little extra sparring to go over time. But when we get towards worlds, you start ending up going 50-50, one hour drilling, one hour sparring per session. Mm -hmm. And uh, before COVID, training was super intense. Like Mondays, I had to be at two practices. Tuesday, I had to be at three. 
Wednesday two, Thursday three, Friday two, Saturday two, and then Sunday off. Before COVID, things were just, it, it was really brutal to get through a week. You really needed that day off by the time you got to it. Yeah. So like, kind of like, how did you like, how did you, you adjust to like recovery, especially like when you look at all this type of load you're putting on your body and those type of training sessions, how did you like, how was your recovery for one thing? And then were there just days where like you didn't train as hard if you didn't feel right or like, how did it kind of work? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I have tons of injury or sorry, tons of experience getting injuries. So I have like a whole protocol for my um, injuries that keep coming back. Like for my lower back, I have like a whole hip and glute thing I do. And like, that's just the extra stuff that comes with being a professional level athlete, right? Like it's not just about showing up to practice twice a day. It's about showing up early and warming up properly. So you don't get injured. It's about going in and you know, knowing what needs to be done. So I had those routines. Ice is my best friend. Ibuprofen is my best friend. <laughs> as well, Master Lloyd and Master Donnie, the, the two head coaches at uh, Team Lit Urban, Master Lloyd being the head and Master Donnie handling the kids program and anyone else who trains with them. Uh, they're intense, but they're not dumb. You know, if you tell them that you're injured and you need to just watch, you're watching. Or if you tell them you're too injured to spar, you're drilling the whole time. Right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're never doing nothing, but you don't always have to spar and they're going to listen to you. And, you know, as long as you're not one of those guys that's just known to try and get out of practice, they'll take your word for it yeah. on injuries. Chances are, if you're one of those people trying to get out of practice, you're, you're probably not going to be a metal chaser very long. <laughs> no, you're not going to last long. That's for sure. No. And there's tons of people who over the years, you know, come through for a single season like you see it different people not too many but you see a couple different people every year who who don't return so how does the metal chasing uh program kind of work like, like if take us through it if you don't if people don't know is it like an invite process or is it kind of like they accept you and then you keep going or like how does that kind of work so the the cool thing is they have like a a tiered program so they actually have people they brought up from white belt to black belt world champion like first day of jujitsu to black belt world champion and uh mm -hmm. jamil taylor yeah some people yeah. know him as, as shane Hill taylor yeah yeah he is he came up through their tiered program it's like if you show interest it's you know a team b team c team whatever for me i got in a little bit differently i was a competitor from canada and my instructor at the time had a business relationship with master lloyd and um he basically just vouched for me he said this guy works hard this guy actually wants it and then master lloyd you know took a chance on me uh he let me come out and he just saw you know i was showing up to every practice he knew i meant business that was the real deal so we kind of just built our relationship from there awesome so um do you kind of remember like as you were saying is like master lloyd he knows what he's talking about he, he might not, you might not know what's going on right at the moment, but you'll eventually it kind of makes sense. Was there a time where like, not necessarily questioning him, just didn't understand what he was trying to get for you at that time. And then all of a sudden that light bulb kind of clicked. It's more like, um, like there can be some frustration when you think you're doing something right, or you think you're giving it your best effort, but you know, Master Lloyd sees the best you that you might not be able to see. And he obviously sees technique that you might not be able to see. So for instance, this year we spent like 
hours doing something or your partner would just throw your legs to the side and you would switch your hips over and, and regard right away. And, you know, for like the first couple hours I was doing it and no rep was good enough. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm doing this right. But, you know, if those hip switch was slightly off, there was a delay. And then eventually when I learned what it should feel like, I was like, okay, yeah, I definitely could have been doing it better. Mm. Or like when I first got there, I would give what I thought I legitimately thought would be my full effort. And he would talk to me and he'd be like, Hey, you're giving, you given up out there. And that was really frustrating because I didn't think I was giving up, but now I know, you know, there was, there was more that I could have given. Right. And, uh, I just didn't hold myself accountable. Master Lloyd will hold you accountable in places that you might not necessarily hold yourself. Yeah. I think that's pretty amazing as like great leaders are able to figure out, especially see the future you way before you can find it. And I think he's a perfect example of that type of individual. That's a really good way to put it. Changing gears a little bit. We were talking about briefly earlier about, um, you know, jujitsu, like it's, it's becoming more professional over time. Um, and then you've, you've been training jujitsu a while as well. And you've kind of seen the progression of like, you know, jujitsu becoming more of a, getting more and more professional and more organized over time. So like in your view, like coming up now that you're a black belt, what are some things that you want to see? Um, or what do you think are some things that are stopping um, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu just for getting to the next level and getting to, you know, like the top like tier professional sport that it can be? Hmm. Well, I don't really know the inner workings of the, uh, the promotion industry, right? Like uh, I'm sure there's some stuff that could be done better on that side like uh, in terms of how the events are put out there or, or marketed or whatever, but from the athletes, the side that I understand, what I want to see is something I already touched on a little bit. I want to see people actually trying to do jujitsu more, you know, like uh, trying to get a finish. Jujitsu is about advancing your position, controlling, advancing your grips, and further advancing your position all the while looking for submission. That's just, that's what jujitsu is. And a lot of people are trying to find ways around that uh, under, under points formats. Like, a, like IBJJF or AJP. So even though we can plan and train for these strategic matches, that's going to hold the sport back. I think yeah. like the, the rules weren't put in place to, to influence this kind of um, grappling, but that's just what happens with any rules in humans. Humans are smart. We figure out ways to get around everything that we can. But I just, I want to see more athletes just, you know, strong positional skills, looking for hard scores, not looking for advantages. Cause you know, you don't have to be a submission hunter to grapple like this. I know a really good example is a friend that I, I train with in Toronto when I'm here, uh, his name's Breno Demier, or he goes by Matofino. Mm -hmm. And you know, he's not necessarily a submission guy, but he's always trying to kick your ass. Like he's trying to smash you down, pass your guard, pin you, mount you, take your back. Like he's always looking to advance. He's always looking to scrap. He might not get a whole lot of submissions, but that's not what it's about. It's just about trying to like do jujitsu the best you can. Yeah, I think you, go ahead, no, no, go ahead. I think you made a great point. Whereas it's like, you're getting into these teams that if you look at their kind of success rate as champions, for example, they're not Southern people they're getting a lot of point advantages or they're just getting points wins and they're tactical towards that. I, is that just like the schools teaching that stuff in your opinion, or is that more just the athletes individually? Uh, 
it really depends. Like I know for a fact, there's people that I've, I've grappled that, you know, do like boundary drills or like mm-hmm. they drill the kind of stuff that's with like uh, playing the rules. But I think mostly it would be the athletes that are, that are choosing to play that way. Yeah. That would make I think sense. So. I think so too. Like you'll have some schools that are like, Hey, like you should, you should know like how to score points. It's like playing basketball. Like you should know how to, you should know at least what a three pointer is. You may not be able to shoot them all the time, but like in jiu-jitsu, you should know like, you know, neon belly points, mount, you get this, passing a guard, you get that. Yeah. Um, you know, you should know the rules, but also at the same time, like the ultimate goal of jiu-jitsu is submission. And like, you're a great example of that, of like, you know, you're, you're competing now at the highest level, you have a 90 plus percent uh, submission rate, BJJ hero, legend extraordinaire. Who, who, <laughs> who are, who are some other examples of like people you've seen, like either coming up through the ranks or like even people that you're watching right now, like, is there anybody that you're studying? Who are like some examples that you see that kind of embody that? Like I'm go- like, besides Breno, who's also uh, an alumni on our, we've had him on, we had him on a few podcasts ago. Um, who are some examples of, the, of, you know, people like that, that you've seen coming up in the ranks that are, you know, submission hunting will go for the kill. Yeah. I've always liked um, JT Torres. He's always been like uh, one of my favorite grapplers because, you know, he does real man jujitsu. You know, he's wrestling people down to the ground, passing their guards and taking their backs. Um, but right now, who I'm studying the most is Craig Jones. Because, you know, I like his personality. I think he's hilarious. That's what originally drew me to him. And I started checking out his stuff. You know, his submission rate's super high. Um, he doesn't wrestle a whole lot. So he's like me. So I, I decided I, I'd, uh, watch him and, and learn the leg lock stuff. I, I learned the leg lock stuff from the very beginning. I started with very um, like white belt basic drills. And over the last year I've studied hard and now I'm just getting into watching Craig Jones. Nice a are you going uh, deep? Are you subscribed to his only fans? Not yet. Not yet. He's got to sell me a little more on that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what kind of content he's putting out. <laughs> I don't think we want to know what kind of content he's putting out. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I saw on his Instagram, he had a couple of different things. Like, I'm only putting good stuff on it, OnlyFans. And I'm like, I don't know about this. <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's putting out a bunch of good stuff through BJJ Fanatics. So I don't know what he's got left for OnlyFans. Yeah, I don't, I, I mean, like, it's a way, it's a revenue stream. I can't fault the guy for creating another revenue stream. I It's interesting. I don't know how he's going to do it and how, how you can do it. But if you can do, like, personal private stuff like i think you can solicitate off that sure maybe. i don't know sure right sure Eric. <laughs> that kind of private stuff yeah i like to you see like what? aaron try to explain to his wife <laughs> i don't want to why only fans <laughs> is on his credit card statement he's a I'm grappler i swear he's a grappler, he's a grappler. What, what, kind of, what kind yeah. of grappler <laughs> but you know what like this whole only fans thing it really fits the meme that is craig jones like he's just got this online persona that I find so funny. He never laughs at his own jokes. He's deadpan and he's like really committed to the character. I think he, I think he's not just a great grappler. I think he's one of the funniest people, if not the funniest person I follow on Instagram. Yeah, he's got some good stuff. Like I, I'll I, give him credit. I think like him, Kit Dale. Yeah, they're all in cahoots. 
that Australian I, Australian. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kit Dale's <laughs> got some pretty funny stuff on his Instagram too. Was pretty, like he had a um, promo video. He's like, I'm gonna be giving you guys my all my whole collection for only 149. I'm losing so much fucking money, but I want you to get better at jujitsu. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah. So um we wanted to ask you, especially when we look at like we've heard about Gordon Ryan retiring. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a big hole in jujitsu? Do you think somebody's there to take his place and move forward and kind of pass that bar on? What's your opinion on that? Like the, the Gordon Ryan situation, even before this was super weird, because, you know, like jujitsu is the only sport I've ever heard of where people duck the best guy. And like, there's no doubt about it. Gordon's the best right now. And mm-hmm. people haven't, haven't beat him in what, 50 some odd matches. And like, with people like that, can you imagine seeing something in the UFC, a dominant champion that no one wants a shot at? You, yeah. you wouldn't see anything like that. I found that to be absolutely crazy. The amount of people who just, you know, don't want to get seen or don't want to put themselves into the possibility of getting defeated. I mean, don't, don't even want to give it a try. That's ridiculous. But in terms of him retiring, I don't think it's going to be permanent. You know, he's financially doing well he's if there's a treatment for for whatever he's got he'll be able to find it it might not be anytime soon but i think he'll be back and i don't think he's done who do you think kind of takes up the mantle while he's gone to kind of push that envelope as far as like what you talked about real jujitsu being finding the submission and fighting for the submission yeah that's going to be i think craig's going to put the uh put the jujitsu world on his back. You know, there's a lot of other players that do well consistently on the Nogi scene, on the pro scene. Like, uh, I won't name drop, but like they're uh, getting juiced up and hand fighting for 10 minutes and running you out of bounds for the last 10 minutes and, and getting decision wins that way. So I hope Craig doesn't let that happen and let them be at the, at the forefront. But right now in terms of guys who are just admitting everybody, I think the only one left, uh, doing it at that level is Craig. I definitely agree with that. Like Craig's looking for the finish, you know, just like you are. It's you either see him, he's getting finished or he's the one doing the finishing. Yeah. One or the other. I don't think I've, I don't think I remember the last, you know, decision win that I think he's had. I think it's mostly been, he's getting, it's kill or be killed. And I I think that's the way like jujitsu needs to be going in the future, especially with a lot of like, you know, bigger like super fight shows and things like that, which are hopefully coming back to Ontario sometime in the next like you know 10 to 20 years. <laughs> 2024, that's my estimate. Yeah, it's a fair enough. It's fair. Three years away. <laughs> yeah. I'm a I'm a little disappointed in uh in how the situation was handled in southern ontario i think everybody is a little disappointed to a certain extent on how the situation is being handled but um talking about like future like you know like just talking about like the state of ontario and like future like tournaments and competitions like where do you where do you see things going from here like you've had a lot of you know you spent a lot of time down in the u.s because you know unfortunately you know it's it's difficult to get the the type of training in that you want here um, what's, what's kind of the future, like what's kind of the outlook, like in the, the next like year or two, what do you see? Well, um, 
in terms of like the the style of training i'm going to try and impact that as much as i can because you can really influence the way that people do jujitsu just obviously through how you train so and officially i'm not training guys there is no training going on i hide them <laughs> in my bed every day so i don't get sick and die but if i were to train the places that i live <laughs> the places that i go i'm gonna try and uh you know spread my philosophy without without being too abrasive and without getting on anyone's nerves too much which is the tricky part there's there can be a lot of ego in the training room people don't want to hear that they're they could be doing it better but i'm going to do my best to get everybody uh you know training appropriately doing longer rounds doing specific drills and actually getting your ass out and doing dead drills because dead drills are boring but if you want to be a professional you need to be dead drilling a lot uh and as for like tournament promotion i'm not even completely sure how that works i know there's not a whole lot of players in ontario even before covid who are hosting things you know the guy who gave me my black belt my instructor up here uh fernando zulik he hosts some of the bigger ones there's a couple different organizations uh i know that Fernando's going to try and, and uh come back as soon as he possibly can like he's on the forefront he's never missing a day if he can be open he's open you know, he's really on top of it, trying to keep his shit together through this mess. And for the record, if you want, if, um, if you are training, make sure you hashtag throwback Thursday, because that's kind of the, the depth, that's the, that's the low key code. What do you mean? This was, this pick was taken two years ago. Like this was in 2019. Yeah. I wasn't training it's like throwback thursday it's like dude it's friday like why are you posting this? <laughs> that's why that's why i laugh it's like it's like monday it's throwback thursday i'm like what the fuck <laughs> yeah don't incriminate yourselves don't incriminate yourselves i mean nope. i know the situation's messed up but at the same time like if you're gonna live stream on instagram live you pahadaing like 15 rounds it's like come on don't make it so obvious i'm just saying <laughs> yeah <laughs> Now you'll get a knock on the door for sure. And it's yeah. crazy. Like even, even things that I've seen that, you know, seem discreet, not so discreet. There's always someone, you know, waiting to drop a dime on you, which disappoints me even more than, uh, <laughs> than the government's handling of it is people, people's like, people are complicit, you know, they're facilitating this and they're, they got like hero complexes, you know, for reporting on their neighbors, for trying to make a living, opening their business. It's, it's actually really, really sad in my opinion so when uh, when you say drop a dime for uh for the street talk on here what does that mean oh you know call, calling the uh relevant authorities when they see a business running <laughs> have them shut down hey he's he's why is he allowed open i don't i want to be open shut him down yeah. I, you know, I, the, go ahead the crazy thing is like and they might you never know like they might be open they might be essential and and still feel like you know other places shouldn't be open because they're they're buying into the narrative a little bit a little bit too much well, there's one one issue i had like um so i have one of my uh, clients i was catching up with recently that I, I was doing personal training with um she went for a walk outside with like one of her friends so they're just like walking around the neighborhood and her neighbor lost their mind that like you are spreading covid you're gonna kill somebody like guys you're you're outside like i yeah, i understand like if you're gonna open tongue kiss 
and <laughs> you're gonna go inside and then you're gonna you know open tongue kiss like a bunch of other people then maybe not the best idea or like if you're gonna throw an orgy right now probably not the best <laughs> idea you get open space open space. Space. backyard orgies <laughs> backyard <laughs> orgies we'll, we'll get we'll get backyard orgies trending on twitter but, <laughs> but the, the, the point of it is it's like you know you know, do what you need to do. Like, I'm not, I'm not here to judge anybody. I'm not here to go like, Hey, you can't do this. You can't do that. But like, you know, be smart about it. Like be safe about it. Like if you're, if you're clearly experiencing symptoms of something, don't go train. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, I, I think it's a given. If you want to go for a walk with somebody outside, I think that's perfectly safe. Do what you need to do. Cause like, you don't know somebody's mental state right now. You don't know somebody's physical state right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, just a, just a general message for anybody who's listening to this right now. Don't uh, snitch on your neighbor for going for a walk with their friend. Yeah. Also, don't be an idiot. I can't really judge people. You know, I've, uh, like I said, I consider myself responsible for my own health. I'm not around of any vulnerable population. So I've been in some pretty, uh, you know, what would be considered unsafe scenarios in terms of closed rooms with lots of people. But I, <laughs> I stay away <laughs> I stay away from from the vulnerable population and I uh, try to encourage everybody to make their own choices about their personal health and uh, you know obviously we're going to have our lowest common denominators who are showing up sick to work anyways and doing kind of dickhead stuff but you know you have you have that lowest common denominator with everything you know that's the reason we have speed limits the reason we need to wear seatbelts some people some people act like act like jackasses yeah, there's jackasses everywhere. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> and I've been doing a podcast with one the last year named Eric. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Mm-hmm. So, uh, go, going into some future plans, like what are some what are some things that you want to accomplish at Black Belt? Like, obviously, I think you want to be a Black Belt World Champion, but what are some you know that's a given, I think. But what are some things beyond that? Like, what do you what are you looking to do to like kind of leave your mark on the sport? Um. Like, I obviously I want a, a black belt world title in the gi. I want an ADCC title, um, and I I want to compete as long as I can. Like I want to compete till I'm 35, 40 seriously, and I I have a business I want to run. Like I need I'm I'm obsessed with jujitsu, you know more so than a lot of people that say they are. I just need to be doing it all the time. Right now I make all my income. Like over the past year and a bit, I've made all my income from teaching jujitsu or competing. I eventually want to get to a point where I don't have to, you know, be a slave to the classes I need to teach. I'd, I'd rather have, you know, fewer privates um, and more money being made from actually competing. Mm-hmm. So on top of the titles, I, I want to try and uh, get into the, the pro side of the sport. Have you given thought to far as like when you talk about, you know, your own philosophy and obviously there's some like chasing submissions and all that kind of stuff, whether it being a seminar tour or DVD release down the road, anything like that? Yeah, for sure. And like uh, teaching is a big part of, of what I do because, you know, I find it forces you to actually understand from the ground up what you're doing. I do love to teach and I'm quite good at it. Like I've had training in terms of teaching, it's something that you need to practice just because you're good at jujitsu doesn't necessarily make you a good teacher. And it is something that I practice. I want to do, um, like, uh, video stuff. I I feel like at this point, I'd probably want to do it independently. 
you know, uh, through my social media that I want to grow. And then I, yeah, I love to teach. If I could do seminars, people would have me out. Absolutely. I'll be doing that as soon as the opportunities come in. Yeah, for sure. Sometime in the, in the next, uh, I think, I think honestly though, like all, all joking aside with like, you know, the situation here hasn't been the best, but I think I can see like the second half of this year, I think, I think things are going to get significantly better and you'll actually, you know, be able to train without hashtagging throwback Thursday on a Monday morning post. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think training will be back sooner than we think it will be. There'll be caution obviously around, I think every school will have that. And I think they should, especially like maybe in the beginning of like, you know, maybe holding back on like, cross training for example i'll just use that but maybe it's down the road i think it'll be able to kind of open the doors a little bit more and people will be able to move more freely yeah that's for sure how it's going to be hopefully they don't like uh pull us back into another lockdown but that's how it's been so far like uh they keep giving us a little bit back and then you know snatching it well i think the the most recent like replan i guess new plan whatever fourth plan <laughs> the replan the, repli- the plan of the the pre-plan of the oh, plan yeah. that didn't work <laughs> like we don't know but um i think this is uh, I, I don't know like i I'm not, i don't work for the government i am not a health official i have no idea what works what doesn't so i'm not going to say i know what's best i'm hoping this one works <laughs> I don't know. Well, what did they say they're going to do they said they're not doing the, the so it's the no region color no code region anymore, anymore. So basically the idea is from my understanding is that it's going to be sectors of business, right? With restrictions. So let's just say before like a red and a yellow zone. So in red, you could open up a gym, but in a yellow zone, you couldn't, right? So let's mm-hmm. say Mike and I live in, Miss- I live in Mississauga, but I live right beside Halton. So literally on Dundas across the street, you could have the gym on Mississauga closed because it's a red zone. And then in Halton, it could be open, like literally. And it was just borderline. Like that's how, and that's how stupid it was. So basically what they've said now is that it's sector. So let's say the health and fitness industry for now. So that can't open until stage three. And that's which, across the whole province. That's across the whole province. Man, so it doesn't matter if you're very gym owners are going to be punching the air. It, exactly. So like all these places in like Collingwood where they, let's say there's no cases whatsoever. Right. So basically you're, you can't open until the entire province is in section like second three from my understanding right don't so don't quote me that that there's gold or anything like that and i think is it a smart way to approach because yeah i guess so but a lot of businesses are going to suffer that way because now it's like you're at that point where it's like we can trying to open but we can't but it's really based on their whole thing is hospital capacity vaccination those are their two biggest factors hospital capacity has to be enough and people got to get vaccinated that's what they've kind of made it clear yeah i don't know like uh if it's a space thing or if it's a manpower thing but i know that china built a hospital in like a matter of weeks you know you cannot compare chinese engineering non-union base working to yeah. canadian labor unionized labor at all <laughs> like you can't yeah, even get the, a ele- the electrical guys definitely didn't make, didn't make minimum wage that's for sure <laughs> but they got it done they got I'm it done sure. they got they it got done, done. Or they're gonna get shot that's their 
That's that's the plan. Finishes hospital or gets shot. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, it doesn't come to that. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know what we've uh, used this time that we bought to do. I think we're just buying time to get people needled up now, I suppose. I, I don't know. Once again, I'm not a health official. I'm just playing one on TV. But uh, it's, to, to one of Aaron's uh, points earlier, when he was mentioning kind of how silly, you know, some of the rules are where, because he lives, I think, very close to like a border of, you know, Peel Ridge. Right and on Hal- the butter. And Halton, right on the butter. <laughs> You're living right on the butter, Aaron. <laughs> but he yeah. lives right, right, on, right on the butter of Peel Region and Halton. So it's like Oakville, Mississauga. So like mm-hmm. two totally different regions. One, gym's closed. Not a single person allowed in there. You walk across the street, like literally across the street, uh, you can go into a gym. I mean, if somebody took advantage of that, like that would have been just, you know, a tremendous idea that you could just go, hey, why don't we just go across the street here and go work out here for the time being? I mean, somebody must have thought of that somewhere, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I don't even know. Like what to say about it because obviously I, I don't have a solution. <laughs> you know? we're, we're all just bitching and complaining. We're all just bitching. I don't know. I'm not sure. Well, yeah, I don't I, know. Like, do, do you do the Florida full send or, or what? Something in between? Well, I mean, let's be honest. Like, if you go to like places in the U.S., like Florida, Vegas, you'll probably catch something a lot worse than COVID. Let's be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but in all seriousness, no. Like, you know, they kept everything open. They had probably a lot more people get sick. Their vaccination rollout, I think, was a lot quicker than it was here. So I think yeah. they returned to normal life a lot faster than you know, like. They were hosting, they just hosted a UFC with like 17,000 people about a month ago. You couldn't even yes. think about doing something like that like last year. Now they're like, yeah. hey, like, hey, we're pretty much set. Like, does it mean COVID's going to disappear? No, it's going to be, a, you know, it's still going to be around. I think it's going to be, you know, like, you know, you know, well, a lot more under control, but, you know, you're not going to see like crazy spikes in places like where you're, where you were, like Florida, Louisiana, Texas, places like that, where, you know, they've had big waves of, you know, stuff happening and, you know, they got through it and here they are on the other side. They're in the clear. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to be them now, but uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to argue that. Like, I, I agree. Like I'm glad they did what they did personally for my life, but you know, they did have a lot more people die mm-hmm. per hundred thousand than we did. And it's, it's super unfortunate, but at this point, you know, it is what it is. One of my favorite things that I watch now when it's like, you see fans back in the stands and all that kind of jazz is people fighting and people have just been bent up so much rage lately of yeah. everything. And now they're beside people that they think again, because they've been arguing on Twitter for like, who knows how long, <laughs> right. In their basements. And now they're in front of people and now they're say something and they get punched in the face. It's time. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> oh man. Like there are fights at the UFC. There's been fights at baseball games. Like it's so awesome. <laughs> yeah, pe- people take sports seriously. Yeah. But so Kieran, I, so Kieran, yourself, um, have you been to a UFC? Have you been to like a sporting event? Has anything like that happened to you? Well, where you've had to, you know, quote unquote, take care of business. Okay, I 
bounced when I was 19 and 20. So for a year and a half, I, I worked as a security guard or a bouncer. <laughs> wow, you're brave. I did it for about a day. And I was like, nope, this is not for me. I just yeah. don't want to deal with these people. <laughs> they put me on a lot of easy assignments, but there's stuff in there, you know, like drag a couple people out with some help or, you know, I think I've put, I've put someone to sleep on the job before, but no, not like a real fair fight. You know, it's more like uh, get this guy out of here, you know, you and two guys or you grab him from behind and get him out. I haven't been in like a, a legit fist fight since I was 14 years old. I got in a fist fight and I actually got arrested oh, <laughs> in <boy>. high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I got in a little bit of legal trouble for sure. But uh, I realized I was stupid. It's not worth it. And, you know, the more you train martial arts, the more you realize like how dangerous people can be. Yeah. You, you People die in fights all the time. You hit your head off the pavement. You know, lots of things can happen. And if you don't know how to fight, you're watching these UFC fighters go at it and you see a knockout, you're like, whoa, that's awesome. It's cool. Because it's pretty abstract at that point. You haven't been around that. You don't know the consequences that people have to deal with after these horrific knockouts, after they get, you know, ribs shattered from a kick. Mm-hmm. Like these things stick with you for your whole life. It's not yeah. like for us, for, for, for regular viewers, they turn the screen off after a UFC event and it's over. But like Chris Weidman's leg is still shattered in a hundred pieces the next day. You know, you don't have, you don't get to see that or there's some brutal knockouts. I have some, some friends who fight at a high level and you see what, what they have to deal with afterwards. It's, it's very serious. So after that, I was like, it's not worth it. I never really, I just avoid fights mm-hmm. at all costs. Did you, you ever have the you ever have a notion to do MMA at all? Or is that kind of like, no, I'm going to stick with jujitsu? My goals are pretty um, extraordinary in jujitsu. So they're going to take extraordinary effort. And I'm going to stay in the sport until I accomplish those. But before I retire from athletics, I need to know that my jujitsu is sound. So mm-hmm. I will be doing a fight uh, before I retire. I want to do a pro fight. I want to win it. Prove to myself. Cause like I said, I haven't, I haven't been in a fist fight since I was 14 years old I'm 25 now. Mm-hmm. So I need to know that my jujitsu will hold up against someone who knows how to fight. So eventually, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to do one. If I, if I like it, maybe I'll stick in it for a little bit longer, but right now just jujitsu. Yeah, that's kind of less punches in the face and you know what, like even going, going back to high school and all that, like, it's not worth it. You know, you can be the world's best jujitsu practitioner, but jujitsu doesn't beat a gun, for example. <laughs> no, it doesn't, doesn't beat curb stomps from his buddies. It doesn't, there's a whole lot of stuff that trumps jujitsu. No, for sure. No, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what you're going to accomplish in the near future, especially with your jujitsu. I'm looking like I like a lot of people as well. You were talking about pure jujitsu submissions. That's what I want to see. And I think you're going to be the guy to do it, especially on a Canadian stage. So I'm excited to see that. Um, any tournaments coming up that you got sights on or just kind of back to training? Yeah. So I'm doing a little skill acquisition period. There's some big holes in my game. I need to start to fill up. I need to treat a couple injuries so i'm gonna compete again in about seven weeks i'm gonna go do orlando open in the gi orlando open no gi the very next day i'm gonna be grappling on white lion promotions it's a, a pro black belt bracket in miami and then four days after that i'm gonna stay in miami and do uh 
AJP Miami Grand Slam. So I got four tournaments Ooh. in about eight, nine days that I'm going to go uh, bang out in late July. Excellent. Training and training and training and training. It's good. Always. Throwback, throwback Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, but not, not, I won't be, I won't be training for the next nine days. I'm going to complete my quarantine stay in the house. That's where you do it. Do do it whatever they ask of me. No, bolo bolo the chair instead, instead of a, a live <laughs> life partner. Mm -hmm. hey, I got some mats bad. here. I got my girlfriend. Yeah, she, she uh she doubles as a live-in uke, so I can still do yeah. my studying. Plus, 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 you know what though? Like you're you're probably going through like you know pretty like how many like just curious like how many COVID tests have you done already? Just coming back here. Oh, coming back here? I've only done two so far. I have a third one scheduled in a few days. But, like, every time I got a scratchy throat in the last year, I was going to get tested uh, to make sure, you know, I wasn't going to be the guy spreading it at the gym. Every time I traveled at Team Lit Urban, you need to put yourself up in a hotel for two days until your test results come back. You need a, you need a negative test to train. Um, I went to the world pro I qualified for world pro and they flew me out there and took care of me. We had, to, I had to get COVID tested that, that week, every single day. Cool. And yeah. do they do, um, do they do like the shallow? I'm just doing oh. it on YouTube right no, now. Not shallow. shallow, shallow, or are they going like, yeah, no, they poked me in the retina right up. Oh, there. they're, Oh, so yeah. they're going uh rapid PCR, like to your brain nasal yeah. passage, basically. Well, I've had those. Those are fun. Yeah, I think I've, I've probably had at least like 20, 20 to 25 COVID tests. Wow. Yeah. Describe yeah. it to Aaron because I don't think, have you had a I've, COVID I have, test? I haven't had one. No, yeah, my, kids, one. My, kid, my kids have gotten it. And Rachel's had it. <laughs> I haven't You're just like, no, I'm not going. You guys go. You got to <laughs> fall, fall on the sword for me. I haven't yeah. had it. There's no reason for me to do it. Yeah, your results will be the same as theirs. No. <laughs> <laughs> they're positive then okay i'm positive cool yeah oh, they're negative cool i'm good <laughs> yeah it's it's uh not as bad as people make it out to be i find it's uncomfortable especially like uh if you get that nurse that's doing it to spec they're supposed to do like a 10 second swab of each nostril mm -hmm. you know yeah. a lot of times they'll just kind of like swab swab but you'll get that one that one nurse who's doing it by the book and they're just mixing your brain around oh. for 10 seconds. <laughs> like, ah. Well, there's like, the, there's the two ones. There's a shallow one where they just like swap the inside. Those aren't that bad. They just feel like you're going to sneeze. And then there's like the deep one that there you basically tilt your head back and they go like, look like a spear all the way in. Mm -hmm. Those are, those are fun. Yeah, those, those are the worst. You know, I, I'll take that over getting a, getting an intramuscular injection. I hate needles. But uh, COVID test sucks, but it's not that bad. So one thing's for sure, in all your success going forward into the future, you will definitely not be on the gas. <laughs> no. And take it. <laughs> not a fan of needles. I'm not either. <laughs> another another thing that'll make jujitsu better. We got to get everybody off off the gear. There's a couple athletes out there who are doing it. A couple? <laughs> are you kidding me? There's <laughs> probably. No. I think more. I think there's honestly more doing it than not doing it. I think. Well, I'm, I meant there's a couple athletes doing well without it. A couple doing well without it, absolutely. And yeah. You're you're definitely you're definitely one of them as well, and that's something you want to see as well because, you know, what legitimate 
professional sport is probably going to piss off a lot of people. What legitimate professional sport allows you to just sauce up to like the nth degree and do like whatever you want and compete wherever you want. So like yeah. bat- basketball allow that? No. Does hockey allow that? No. Does baseball allow that? It kind of sort of used to. Football used to not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> baseball kind of did for a while and then they UFC they did you know TRT and then a year later and <laughs> those were borderline you know <laughs> that was borderline like I, I just, that era I'm like oh like watching like Vitor Belfort like kick Michael Bisping's head into like the 12th row hey TRT Vitor Beltor was awesome he was amazing. Yes, he was. He was highly illegal, but awesome. <laughs> highly illegal. Yeah. But, but back he was more jacked than weapon. he was when he was 20. Yeah, that's insane. But <laughs> back to my original point, though, it's like what legitimate professional sport allows you to just sauce yourself out of your tree and just go compete? Yeah, it's definitely not good for the sport. And, you know, I know there's teams out there who are getting kids on it. Kids, I mean, like 14, 15, like up to yeah, 17 is like, that's, good. no, you're going to, you're going to die young. Your body's not going to develop properly. Yeah. You're, it, it's not a good thing. You're screwing up your endocrine system probably for life, especially at that age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's not good. So uh, in closing, uh, are there any sponsors you want to reach out to things you want to thank before we close her off today? You think? Yeah, I've only got. I've only got the one sponsor, Dynasty MMA. It's been taking care of me for a few years. They're doing doing great thing, great gear. Coupon code Kieran Tan, get 10% off your next purchase. And if anybody, you know, has a product they want to get out there, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at Lock and Strangle. And uh, yeah, I'm open. Supplements, you know, water, whatever. Hit me with what you got. Awesome. Hey, Karen, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. I really do appreciate you coming on this evening. Um, we are looking forward to seeing all the new successes that you have in the future, especially with those four tournaments that are coming up. We wish you nothing but the best to get that training in for the next seven weeks. We what definitely do you, want to have you What back. do you mean he's not going to be doing any training? No, no, training at home and doing nothing, right? So, yeah. like, he's going to be training and studying. So, I totally get it. Exactly, but, um, Aaron. Exactly. That's exactly what he's that's gonna what be I'm doing. implying. Absolutely. I would exactly. never imply he's doing anything else. But <laughs> all the best of luck to you. We definitely want to have you back on the podcast to talk about your new championships down the road, build off that and see how we can keep growing jujitsu, especially in Canada. But that's the biggest thing. And then you talk about pushing the sport. We want to help you push the sport. Thanks, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is super fun. And uh, I'm sure I'll talk to you guys again soon. Definitely. Thanks. Appreciate your time coming on. Uh, we need to do this again soon, hopefully in person. Yeah. Yeah. That would be ideal. That would See be you guys ideal. In 2024 then. 2024. 2024. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs>